everyone, welcome to your Friday! You're listening to Crooked News, where we bring you crazy news, hilarious history, and sometimes stories from you. Please send your stories to talkcrooked at gmail.com. <laughs> I'm checking the inbox every day, guys. Yes, uh. <laughs> I get it on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> um, <coughs> Alright, so you're ready for some fun stories? Yes. Okay. This first one Always. is from our favorite website. Want to take a guess what it is? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Fair. <laughs> uh, clickorlando.com. Uh, okay. So we've got a Florida, a Florida story. Oh, yeah. You want to know something funny? What? You want to know something funny real quick? You what? know why Florida like does this to us? Why? Like why Florida is so such a gold mine for this? Why? Michigan is this way too. So you might look into Michigan. Okay. Apparently, they have a law in Florida and Michigan that, like, every arrest has to have something published about it. Oh, my God. So, that's why. I love it. It has to be, like, public record or whatever. Hey, fair enough. So, yeah, for some reason, they have this law. So, there's some reporter that will never be out of a job. (laughs) I want that job. <laughs> yeah, me too. I do. <laughs> All right. So, uh, like this, real bad. <laughs> <laughs> this is by um, Kurt Anderson and the Associated Press. It was uh, published July 8th and updated yesterday or today. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. So, Florida men accused of selling bleach as miracle COVID 19 cure. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. Of course. Substance marked a, marketed as Miracle Mineral Solution, according to complaint. Yep. You won't have COVID because you'll be dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, a, Florida, a Florida legislator said Wednesday that he is recovering from the coronavirus, but his parents are now infected, while a man and his three sons are facing federal charges that they illegally sold a bleach-like chemical mixture as a miracle cure for the coronavirus and other diseases. State Rep. Uh, Chevron Jones, 36, tested positive last week after showing up at the emergency room with fever, chills, and trouble breathing. The Broward County Democrat, well, fuck, uh, said Wednesday he is feeling better but is fearful for his 71 and 74-year-old parents who both tested positive this week. I spoke with them three and four times a day just to ensure they are not experiencing any symptoms, he said. The scariest part about all of this is the hospitals and their capacity filling up, and then the state not seeming to be taking this virus as serious as they should. Um, so, you all probably know right. the situation in Florida. It just wanted to outline that here because it's it's bad, especially in Florida. Um, uh-huh. But... And the hospitals are not doing very well either. So, while all this is happening, federal officials announced Wednesday that they have charged four men with selling a fake COVID-19 cure. The substance marketed as Miracle Mineral Solution was sold nationwide through an entity called the Genesis 2 Church of Health and Healing in Bradenton, Florida. Oh my god, what? Mm Mm-hmm. A Miami federal judge in April order In April! In April, ordered the self-styled church to stop selling the substance, but it was ignored. Charged in the criminal complaint, 
Um, our Mark Grennan, who is 62. Like that guy who said you should just blow on it. Yeah. Just blow the coronavirus away, some <laughs> televangelist dude. He was like, this is the breath of God and I blow you away. I was like, you literally should not do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's airborne. <laughs> do not do that. <laughs> oh, um, gosh. But... So we've got Mark Grennan, who is 62, and his son's family business, uh, Jonathan Grennan, who's mm. 34, Jordan Grennan, who is 26, and Joseph Grennan, who is 32. They are charged wow. with conspiracy to defraud the United States, conspiracy to violate the Federal Food, Drug, and Cosmetic Act, and criminal contempt. Um, wow. To defraud the United States. That is... That's a charge. serious. <laughs> yeah. That might be my new favorite charge. Mine too. <laughs> I can't remember what the other one is, but oh man, mischief. I think it's criminal mischief. mischief is yes. <laughs> <laughs> that that might be number two now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow. None of these um guys have an attorney, and they face a maximum of between 14 and more than 17 years in prison if convicted of all charges, which is good. Yeah, they should. <laughs> um, the solution sold by the Grennans becomes a bleach when it is ingested, um, It's <gasps> and it's what is typically used for such things as treating textiles, industrial water, pulp, and paper. What? Yeah. Under no circumstances should that be in someone's body. No. Oh my god. And the Grennans marketed it as not only a coronavirus cure, but also a cure for cancer, autism, multiple sclerosis, Alzheimer's disease, and AIDS. What? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're just trying to kill people. Yeah. You're trying to kill people off. Yeah. That you deem as other is what you're doing. That's yeah. disgusting. Um, so apparently these guys like were on podcasts and stuff. Um, and there was a complaint <gasps> against them. They were on podcasts? Mm-hmm. Uh, the complaint says the Grennans initially agreed to abide by U.S. District Judge Kathleen Williams's order that they stop selling the solution. Then changed their tone in podcasts and emails to the judge herself. We will in capital letters, not be participating in any of your in capital letters, unconstitutional orders, summons, etc. One email from Mark Grand I'm sorry. Red. I'm sorry. You can't murder people. No. Also, you can't falsely advertise something. Nope. Again and again, I have written you all that you have, in capital letters, no authority over our church. I'm sorry. Yes, they do. Yeah. <laughs> uh, these guys are white, aren't they? Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, someone commented <laughs> the first fucking comment. They're only selling what Trump recommends. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking that, too. That's what happens. Yeah. When your president is a dumbass. And says things like, if you could just figure out how to get di disinfected under your skin, or light under your skin, it doesn't like those things. Shut the fuck up, sir. 
Goodness. Oh, I can't okay. wait for him to not be our president anymore, and his tweets can just be meaningless again. Same. Ugh. Um, Get him the fuck out. All right. So this next one I thought was pretty funny. Um, and it was published yesterday. It's from the BBC.com. Parking ticket issued to bus and bus stop. What? Mm-hmm. <laughs> the decision to okay. put a, the decision to put a parking ticket on a bus driving or on a bus during a layover at a stop has been called absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, the driver of the forty four <laughs> service was issued the ticket in Market ha- Harborough. Look, I'm not even going to try. It's in England. On Monday morning, <laughs> um, Center Bus Operations Manager Mick Rossiter said it was a slap in the face for drivers who continue to work throughout lockdown. Um, the county council said the notice was issued as the bus appeared to be parked up and unattended. Mr. Rossiter said the Center Bus had operated the 44 route from Foxton to Fleckney on behalf of the city council for several years. As part of the council timetable, the service requires a 20-minute layover in Market Harborough before resuming the service. It's quite bizarre, he said. The driver is out all day, and he takes his breaks on the road. He went across the road during the layover to get a sandwich and a drink. Six minutes later, a traffic warden had slapped the fine on the bus. Oh my god, somebody's bored at work. Yep. And it was (laughs) a (gasps) 70-pound penalty charge notice. Oh my gosh. And and it was issued for stopping on a restricted bus stop or stand. It's a bus! <laughs> it's supposed to be there. <laughs> um it <laughs> It's a bus at a bus stop. It's literally in the name. Yes. Center bus is appealing oh against gosh. the ticket. The council yeah. spokeswoman said as a council, we only deal with a small number of this type of off- of offense and the work done by our enforcement officers is important in deterring drivers from parking inappropriately as we look to keep our roads and streets safe and traffic on the move. She added the hmm. appeal would what be would carefully considered. About, what, what would I consider a bus parked at a bus stop? <laughs> Appropriate yes. is the word that comes to mind. That sounds like appropriately parked. That's where it needs to the be. The stop on the route of that bus. <laughs> <laughs> it's appropriate for the bus to park there. <laughs> uh, wow. Yeah. If it was a car, <laughs> it would be a Volkswagen different. Beetle parked at a bus stop. That is inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Wow. Yeah. That's too much. That's too much. <laughs> um, oh, goodness. So this one, this is my last one, and it's probably my favorite. Oh, yay. <laughs> Scream inside your heart. Roller coaster fans told to be quiet to help Japan COVID-19 fight. <laughs> Wait, what? Yeah. This is from, <laughs> this is from The Guardian. And it was written by Gavin Blair in Tokyo, and it was published today. Um, okay. 
Visitors to Japan's amusement parks are being asked not to scream when riding roller coasters so as to help prevent spreading oh, the coronavirus. Oh my god. <laughs> what? <laughs> when the Fuji Q Highland theme park reopened on uh, June 1st after a three-month closure due to to the pandemic, it asked visitors to follow the recommendations of the Amusement Park Association and to not shout or scream. Oh my god. <laughs> Some customers complained I- it was impossible <laughs> to stay quiet on rides, particularly the yeah. two kilometer long Fujiyama roller coaster, which reaches speeds of 130 kilometers per hour and drops 70 meters at one point. Named after nearby yeah. Mount Fuji, the roller coaster was the fastest and tallest in the world when it opened in 1996. In response, the park released a video of two stony-faced senior executives riding Fujiyama without uttering a peep, urging visitors to wow. imitate them and keep your screams inside. Imitate these psychopaths. Yes. <laughs> Uh, Fuji Don't enjoy any of this. No. Make sure pay full price to get in, but you can't have any fun. <laughs> Fuji Q <laughs> then launched a hashtag Mao or Serious Face campaign through which riders who post a video of their silent, masked, and serious faces while riding Fujiyama on social media what will be entered in a drawing to win free tickets to the park. Oh my god. <laughs> a spokesperson That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Right. A spokesperson <laughs> for Fuji Q told The Guardian the response to the campaign had been encouraging, but that some customers were still not happy about the guidelines. Um But yeah, I just thought that was interesting. That's amazing. I loved it. Wow. <laughs> There was a little more to it, but it wasn't as funny uh, as that was, so. That's fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, I'm curious as to what their other procedures are. Are they filling the roller coasters and then making everyone sit quietly? No. Are people wearing masks? Everybody are has to wear masks. spacing people out? Okay, well then, screaming doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in a mask, you're good. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. Good job. Thanks. All right, let's take a quick break. Okay. And we're back. We are. We got some planning done. Yes, business meetings happened. All right. <laughs> okay. I'm so I'm ready for a bath. And ready for yeah, a story. Me <laughs> yeah, me too. I'm ready for a bath. Um. So, um... I found this little gem. Okay. Um, it's kind of it. It's funny in an angering way. Oh, if that we're doing makes this sense. this week. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's yeah, what we're doing. doing. This. <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um. In an in in that it's absurd. Okay. How terrible it is. So um. We're going to talk about the Olympics, because the Olympics got postponed, and I miss the Olympics dearly. Um, It's the only time I'm ever interested in sports. Mm -hmm. But we're going to talk about some things that you didn't know about the history of the Olympics. So this is an article that I found on Ranker um, by Kellen Perry. Um, It was updated February of 2018. 
So let's dive in. Ready? Okay. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about how terrible the Olympics used to be. So there are many strange and fascinating facts buried in the long, bizarre history of the Olympics. The Summer Olympics of 2016 look almost nothing like those from a century ago, and it's not, and it's not just the slick presentation and technological advancements in the inv- individual events. Everything about the Summer and Winter Olympics used to be a whole lot weirder. And, well, pretty backwards. <laughs> In many ways, I love this. This is why I love history. In many ways, the games have acted as a microcosm of what was happening in the world at the time, for better or worse. Ooh. Just how, yeah, isn't that fascinating? Yeah. Just how old are the Olympics? Well, that depends on if you're referring to the ancient or modern games. The ancient games were held from the 8th century BCE to the 4th century CE? Is that mean? Is that what after death means? Is that what mm-hmm. AD means now? Yeah. I don't know what that, what does that stand for? Um... Uh, I don't Christ remember. exists. <laughs> Sorry. No. <laughs> they tried to de-Christianize it. Um. Right, but it you can't. It's all measured based on <laughs> based common on era. Common era. Okay. Mm-hmm. Before. Com- wow, that's boring as fuck. Okay. Uh, in the year of our Lord. <laughs> um. <laughs> While the modern games were born in 1896. So both... Oh, God. And 1896 was just a great time to be alive, she Mm -hmm. said sarcastically with vomit in her mouth. Both eras feature tons of examples of almost superhuman athleticism, but also a whole lot of sexism, racism, nudity, incompetence, drug abuse, waste, and wackiness. Wow. That's a list. So... That's quite a list. So, you see what I mean by, yeah. like, it's hilarious how absurdly awful it is? So, um, <clears throat> so who created the Olympics? And what about those Olympic rings? Read on to learn some things you probably don't know about the history of the Olympic Games. All right, so let's talk about the first Olympics in America and how they were super fucking racist. So... It sounds too disgusting to be true, but it happened. The so-called anthropology days of the 1904 Olympics in St. Louis, Missouri were real. And there's an entire dollop about the 1904 Olympics in St. Louis, Missouri. And it is hilarious and terrible. Hilarious the improvisation that the comedians do and the skill that the performers bring to it. Yeah. Not the events. Just FYI. It's hilarious how much Gareth's mind melts (laughs) during the episode. So, um, quote-unquote savage and quote-unquote primitive people from around the world were kept in a human zoo. What the fuck? And paid to to compete in unofficial Olympic competitions against white people. And yes, it was just as absurd and nauseating as you were imagining it. Language barriers created a ton of confusion around the rules of the European-style competitions, meaning that most matchups had no clear winner. 
There were also quote-unquote savage-friendly games like mud-throwing, tree-climbing, archery, and a quote-unquote Mohawk versus Seneca lacrosse match. But those didn't go much better. So, like, what they would do is they would have people, they would, people didn't speak the language, and then they would explain it to them in English, and they wouldn't know what was going on, and so then, like, the white people would just win because the other people didn't know what was going on because they didn't speak English. That's awful. Yep, it's terrible. Try and tell me again that this country, I know, (laughs) I know, that's the only one. That's, that's the, that's the worst one, I think, one of the worst ones. Um... Uh, So what was the point of all this? The organizer wanted to prove the physical inferiority of quote-unquote primitive peoples. White people are disgusting. Anyway, next. All right. The founder of the modern Olympics didn't want women to participate. I know that that's shocking. (laughs) Considering what we just heard. So, the man largely responsible for the existence of the modern Olympics was kind of a sexist. Well, maybe more than kind of. He thought the games should be reserved exclusively for men. French Baron Pierre de Cobotine was basically a sexist, quote, factory. I love it. Mm-hmm. Here's his view on women's sport in general. You ready for this? Nope. <laughs> but continue. Quote. The quote. The most unesthetic sight human eyes could contemplate. <laughs> Unquote. He, you, sir, are a dick. <laughs> um. Here, here, oh, here's a picture of him. There's a picture of him in his 19, in, in uh, 1912. <laughs> and he, oh, God. Um. His mustache is glorious, but he's a tool. What? <laughs> when... When they started the Olympics, like the original Olympics, they didn't allow women to compete either. And that's why they made all the um, athletes perform naked. Because they wanted to make sure it was only men. Wow. Yeah. And they were all obsessed with penises, so it's fine. So, (laughs) naked men mud wrestling... I mean, I'll sign up to watch that, but yep. whatever. And um, apparently, here he, apparently, like, small penises were revered, because if if you <clears> had <throat> a large one, it meant that your brain was smaller. And, yeah. Wow. Yep. Why do you know this? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So Random here he is in 1912. Here's Mr. Here's Pierre, the dick, Mm -hmm. um, in 1912 on what the Olympics should be all about. You ready? Mm -hmm. Quote, the solemn and periodic exaltation of male athleticism with internationalism as a base, loyalty as a means, arts for its setting, and female applause for its reward. Unquote. Jesus Christ. And then we all threw up in his face. I think he might have been a little bit gay. So, uh, that's going to be my my assessment there. Um, Anyway, okay. 
Next, the torch relay and ceremony is a Nazi invention. Of course it is. It may look and feel like something the ancient Greeks would have done, but the Olympic torch relay and ceremony was actually invented by the Nazis for the 1936 Games in Berlin. The whole thing was the brainchild of Nazi official Karl Diem. So why do we still do it? I don't know, honey. I don't know. Official Karl Diem, who served as the Secretary General of the Organizing Committee of the Berlin Games. Diem was reportedly inspired by the torch that burned during the 1928 Games in Amsterdam. The torches were used in 1936, used in 1936, were created and sponsored by the Krupp Company, Germany's largest armament producer at the time. The company later used Jewish women from Auschwitz to build its weapons. So they seem swell. I hate everything about what you just said. Yep, it's not great. All right. This one's really funny. Uh, women couldn't compete in races longer than 200 meters until 1968, but we knew that because we talked about the uh, the marathon people, remember? Yeah. Um, before 1968, women were barred from competing in track events that required running farther than 200 meters. Why? The, quote, health of global womanhood, unquote, according to David Goldblatt, author... <laughs> Author of the games, A Global History of the Olympics. It sounds like a book Hermione would read. Yes. (laughs) A little backstory. The 1924 games in Amsterdam were the first time women could compete in a track and field event at all. Wow. And they were actually allowed to compete in the 800 meter event. Before 1928, women were limited to events such as swimming, diving, and tennis. Oh, you know, the proper ones. (laughs) Just the pretty things. But when men saw how exhausted the women were after running the 800, duh, they freaked out. (laughs) The event was limited to men until 19... Because men don't get exhausted after that, right? No. God, I hate people. (laughs) The event was limited to men until 1968, and it wasn't until 1984 that women could compete in marathons. Because they thought your uterus would fall out. Yeah. Literally. They, it, they act like, they, like that was a thing that happened, too. <laughs> I, I don't feel like anyone's uterus was falling out. No. I, I don't know of anyone whose uterus has fallen out. <laughs> Ever. It's pretty, <laughs> it's pretty stuck in and there. If, and, and if it did, it wouldn't be because of running. <laughs> No. It would be because of a whole other issue. <laughs> um, okay, so you kind of spoiled this one for me, but it's okay. We all knew it. So the ancient Olympic athletes competed in the nude, except the charioteers. Um, historians don't know exactly why, uh, but you do. Um, but ancient, <laughs> but ancient Olympic competitors, all men, competed in the nude, slathered in olive oil. They would even scrape the oil off if it wasn't too bloody and sell it to fans. Uh. Which is disgusting. <laughs> Why let it all hang out? One theory is that barring it all, bearing it all for the games was sort of an initiation rite for young men, but it also really appealed to the exhibitionism and the vanity of the Greeks. Yeah. According to Tony Paratet, 
author of The Naked Olympics, The True Story of the Ancient Games, Paratet says the men would parade Magic Mike style like peacocks up and down the stadium. One exception to this rule, charioteers, fearful that their um, torches may get extinguished. <laughs> Andrew Connor of the University of Cincinnati says, reasonably enough, that apparel afforded some protection if the horses dragged the charioteer as a result of a mishap. Yeah, you would lose your wang. Yep. Um, <laughs> all right, this one's great. The first athlete disqualified for drugs drank beer to calm his nerves. Oh. <laughs> Poor Hans Gunnar Lichenwall. Lichenwall? Lichenwall? Sure. The Swedish panathlete made history in 1968 when he became the first Olympian disqualified for drug use. His drug of choice? Two beers to calm his nerves before the pistol shooting part of the pentathlon. <laughs> <laughs> so the pentathlon is um fencing swimming show jumping pistol shooting and cross-country running and that's in a modern pentathlon Ooh. um that's that's a lot of fucking shit um no thanks so that's probably not the kind of doping the international olympic committee thought they would catch first yeah <laughs> after introducing new regulations ahead of the 1968 games but alcohol is one of the many banned substances his self-medicating ways lost the swedish team their bronze medal oh oh poor guy all right. Oh, okay. Just a few more. Let's see. Okay. The first U.S. woman to win gold didn't know she was competing. <laughs> Me. So. <laughs> it's like, oh, what is this for? I, I wouldn't, I'm not doing this. <laughs> um, okay. <coughs> the 1900 games in Paris were such a mess that some of the athletes didn't even know they were competing at the Olympics. Oh, no. <laughs> Margaret Abbott, for example, was the first American woman to win a gold medal, and she died in 1955 not knowing she was ever an Olympian. Oh. <laughs> Abbott won gold for golf, but not an actual gold medal. At the first Olympic Games that even allowed female competitors, they could participate in golf, tennis, and croquet. Of oh God. The most boring, besides tennis, all the most boring things. Mm -hmm. She thought she was playing in, quote-unquote, just another tournament while traveling to study art and received a porcelain bowl as her prize. <laughs> her mother competed as well, making the duo the first mother-daughter team to compete in the Olympics at the same time, even though they didn't know it. That's so it was crazy. Until, it wasn't until 19, 1996 that Abbott's relatives were informed of her historic performance. 1996! Oh my god, the year before I was get born. Your sh get your shit together, Paris. <laughs> oh lord. Okay. The meaning of the Olympic rings logo is kind of disappointing. <laughs> I'm excited. Okay. The Olympic rings logo, as Spencer Kornhaber of the Atlantic notes, doesn't come imbued with a whole lot of symbolism. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, look, this guy's back. Pierre de Coubertin, founder of the modern games, meant for the color of the rings to, quote, reproduce the colors of every country without exception, unquote. <laughs> the idea basically was to represent the colors from the flags of all the nations competing when it was designed in 1912. Why five rings? For five continents. <laughs> Cubertine lumped North and South America together as one continent, with Asia, Europe, Africa, and Oceania, Australia rounding out the rest. Wow. Yeah, that's super lame. Okay, all this right. one is upsetting <laughs> and... St- what? Oh, I was just saying, all right. <laughs> to, oh, okay. To that. <laughs> This one actually kind of makes me really angry. Um, I mean, of course, the Nazi stuff and the racism, all, all that other stuff made me angry, too. But this one is, like... Th- this is something that then, like... Uh, you know how, like, the places that host the Olympics, like, their economy gets destroyed or whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is along those lines. Because this is what's still happening. Thankfully, we don't still have human zoos and women are allowed to compete in everything. Yeah. Um, so, thankfully, none of that other stuff is still happening. But this one still happens. So, um, current anger, I guess, is the right <laughs> word. <laughs> um, so, a lot of Olympic venues don't get repurposed. So, apparently, they're called white elephants. Uh-huh. Those giant, uh, those giant Olympic stadiums that sit vacant after the big international party winds down, sideshows featuring the ruins of these multi-million-dollar behemoths are all over the web, which is true. Um, some of these sites are from games as recent as the 2008 Olympics in Beijing. Mm. Venues built for the two th- 2004 games in Athens are in even worse shape. As the Washington Post reports, some potential host cities have said no thanks to the International Olympic Committee because they know the unusual facility they know the unusual facilities they'll have to build, especially for winter games like bobsledding and the luge and they aren't exact aren't likely to be reused, which yeah. really sucks. I don't know why they don't have like what what like why don't they have some that can I, I don't know. I don't know anything about luge, but like it seems like if it was that particular, it should be something that can be taken down and like moved, you yeah. know, but whatever. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Last one. A woman competed in shooting in 2012 while she was eight months pregnant. Mm. Good for her. I mean, I'm eight months pregnant and I could fucking shoot. All right. Yeah. The International Olympic Committee doesn't have official records about this kind of thing, but Malaysian air rifle shooter Nur Sirani Mohammed to be Tybee's Tybee's appearance at the 2012 Olympic Games in London while eight months pregnant likely qualifies her for the title of, quote, most pregnant Olympian ever. (laughs) (laughs) The New York Times reported at the time that the only other references to pregnant Olympians they could find were from the Winter Olympics. So oh, Tab- wow. so Tabby's summer showing is even rarer. Mm-hmm. Tabby's strategy was amazing. Quote, I will talk to her, say, say, mom is going to shoot for... J- <laughs> mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I will talk to her. Say, Mom is going to shoot just for a while. Can you just be calm? <laughs> she ended up... It's so cute. She ended up finishing 34th out of 56 in the qualifying round, but that still means she beat 22 other women that yeah. were deeply, deeply pregnant. <laughs> I love that. Just tell your baby to stop moving for a minute so you can focus. I thought that was adorable. That's amazing. <laughs> so we ended on a high note. Yes. That's a good one to end on. But isn't that crazy? Yeah. So crazy. Don't tell me that this sh- that so much of our culture isn't built on white supremacy, white male supremacy, because, like, here it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right here. Oh, goodness gracious. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, we hope you're being safe. And remember, you are not a monster. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to Talk Cricket. Music is by Gisla Niebach. Check out our website, talkcricket.wixsite.com slash podcast for sources and visual aids, as well as resources to get involved. To keep up with our nonsense and stay up to date on all things cricket, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Facebook at Talk Cricket. To keep the shots coming, access ex- exclusive bonus content, get a free poster, and a shout out on air, head on over to our Patreon. All links can be found on our website. You can listen to us basically anywhere you get your podcast. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. If you have interesting stories relating to our content, please send them to talkcrooked at gmail.com for a chance to be featured on the show. For business inquiries or sponsorships, please email us at carryandkbusiness at gmail.com. See you next time. <laughs>